Take it away, Derek. What's your question? Why do you guys talk about comics so much? Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? 18 years. <laughs> Toothbrush is still fresh. Did they have sex? Because, I mean, she Hulk, you know. Damn it, Tony. We went an entire episode without mentioning Maggot, and then you ruined it. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? Batman's got his little fishbowl on his head, but <laughs> Superman doesn't. Cyclops was right. Except when he was wrong. Master Bruce, you are calm. I'm going to silently judge all of you. Shut up, beast. Shut up. <laughs> like I've read it so many times, you know, it pretty much just crumbled in my hands. Come on, old chum. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read him? See, I didn't hate Hellcat until you made me read this miniseries. It was just a joke, but you made it real, Justin. No. You made it real. I, I prefer my Dazzler singing, like, Creedence Clearwater Revival songs at Australian bars. Titty discs. And... <laughs> That's what to be known as from now on. Like, I'm going to go into the Marvel Wikipedia and edit Whatever it is. <laughs> 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 it get better than that. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? Hey, guys. Welcome back to another... Wild, rific, spectacular, tastic. I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. Some alternate universe ness of fan holes. Comics, motherfucker, do you read them? Hey, what's up, guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your ill prepared hosts tonight, and I am not alone. Joining me tonight on this special What If episode are two, count them, two of my fellow fan holes. Why don't you guys give a shout out and let everybody know who is watching tonight? Hey, it's Mike Unglaublich. Why was that program to feel pain? So, we are here, we're here to talk, we, we, we've got a spinner rack, stories from the spinner rack episode, but again, this is going to be what if themed, because we, we seem to like to come back to that well. I'm, I'm almost, like, basically after this episode, I'm all out of what if spinner rack comics, so I'll be a dirty liar if we ever do another one of these ever again, but uh, we've got... A volume one issue from Justin, and we've got a couple volume two issues from myself and Mike, but we're going to go in chronological order. So to get the ball rolling, I'm going to kick it over to Justin and let him tell everybody what issue from volume one he brought for us to discuss tonight. I have brought What If Volume One, Number Nine. What if the Avengers had been formed during the 1950s? This issue was written by Don Gutt and Roy Thomas. Penciled by Alan Kupperberg. Professor Farnsworth shows the crew his new invention, the Finger Longer, a glove with a long rod to be used in an extension of the pointer finger. He demonstrates it by activating the What If Machine, a device that allows the user to view a simulation of a hypothetical scenario after the user asks it a What If question. In this world, FBI agent Jimmy Woo recruits Marble Boy, 3D Man, Gorilla Man, the human robot, and the goddess Venus to save President Eisenhower, who has been kidnapped by the Yellow Claw. Following his rescue, the President, believing that knowledge of these super beings would send the American public into a panic, orders the group to disband and let their brief grouping remain a secret. Professor Farnsworth curses the what-if machine for simulating scenarios even he found preposterous and dumps it into the trash. The end. Good old Futurama. I bought this issue at 
a flea market. I don't know what year, probably 90 or 91. And the reason I bought it was sheer curiosity because I was slipping through a long box and this cover just stood out at me. And I was like, wait, Avengers in the 50s? And, you know, you got some nice, you got a pretty nice uh, Kirby cover here, in my opinion. And then the other thing that really got my curiosity was our, you know, 1950 Avengers. And at the time I picked this up, I was only really familiar with Marvel Boy, like Venus, 3D Man, Robot Man, Gorilla Man. Like, I didn't know who any of these cats were at the time. I ended up reading some of the 3D Man, like Marvel Premiere stuff later. And, you know, reading other stuff, you know, I became somewhat familiar with like Venus and, you know, Gorilla Man and Robot Man. But that was the main reason I picked this up, because I was curious about like, you know, who are these guys? You know, how how could there be? I mean, it's a what if comic, but, you know, like how could there be a a team in the 50s, you know, in, in Marvel? So that was the main reason I picked it up. And this has always been a favorite of mine. You know, we've did several of these what if shows and I enjoy doing them. And I kind of noticed like, oh, I've been picking like all volume two stuff because like that, I guess that's kind of my sweet spot. That's when I started, you know, buying them off the rack and everything. But I do really enjoy volume one quite a bit. And I thought I would, you know, correct, you know, a little oversight and bring some volume one love. Had either of you guys read this before? Not I. This this was my first time reading it. It kind of it kind of made me nostalgic for reading Jeff Parker's Agents of Atlas series, and I was kind of. It, it also kind of makes me think like now now I'm like well a lot of these social media posts you know you know they the Harlan Ellison they stole my ideas thing like this this is very relevant you know like now when John Samino posts something about how you know Roy Thomas was coming up with you know Jane Foster as Thor and and the agents of Atlas like way before everybody else was doing it I'm kind of like well I gotta give it up to him because because clearly like that there is something to be said for you know people you know coming back to this concept because you know and 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 don't get me wrong like i i love that jeff parker agents of atlas i'm kind of shocked because i'm like well they they kind of i mean they they almost kind of just made this i mean not exactly right but i mean Mm -hmm. they kind of made most of the elements of this what if canon kind of like how they i guess in some degree made elements of that jane foster becoming thor thing you know, quote unquote canon, right? So it's like that's that's something I found kind of interesting. I, I so I'm familiar with the characters because of you know that that 2006 series and then the subsequent series after that. You know, because I think I was I was heavily into the the Marvel line at that particular time, and I remember reading that and just thinking it was a good series. So I'm you know it's it's like one of those things where I was like, oh yeah, I'm I you know I know who Jimmy Woo is and. You know, I, I know who the 3D man is and Marvel Boy and, and uh, you know, the the M11 and, and Nomura and, and, and all that kind of good stuff. So it's like, but I mean, I, I guess that for me, that's a fairly recent, I mean, relatively, right? Like, you know, it's like, you know, I don't know what, 2006, what is that, like 15 years? I don't know, but what whatever, like in, in, in terms of how long I've been reading comics, like that's a fairly recent thing and i mean i think for the most part like this is kind of just a fun story and and it, it's kind of interesting like i guess i guess the only other time we would have had to to envision these characters is 
through the Avengers connection, right? Because this is saying, like, what if the Avengers formed in the 1950s? And as opposed to Agents of Atlas, like, you know, these guys were in Avengers Forever as well. So, like, there's that Mm -hmm. connection, too. I mean, the the story itself, I mean, like I said, it kind of has its own... I I don't know how to describe it, but it, it has its own sort of comic charm of the era, whereas, like, certain things didn't have to be intimately explained i mean you know the the thing about the jeff parker series was there there were things in it that were either you know i don't i i i guess i'd call them maybe apologies for certain characterizations of people and or like alan moore like retcons of characters you know that the, the idea that like venus isn't the same venus that's supposed to be the cousin of hercules yeah in the modern version or like the retcon that the the M11 robot, you know, is like not just a robot that, you know, you know, not this this Atlas timely type story where the robot went crazy and killed his creator and it's just wham bam thank you ma'am that's the end, you know, the the agents of Atlas thing like by the end of it you find out like oh wait that the inventor sacrificed himself and gave his life essence so that the robot could be a quote unquote living robot and all that kind of good stuff and you find out like oh Jimmy Woo's been tested by yellow claw this whole time and you know it's all you know it wasn't you know it was all it was all part of the plan or something like that you know like things like that whereas this this is just kind of very straightforward you know you have a bunch of a collection of heroes fighting a collection of grizzly villains and even though like one one of the the villains is like a a capitalist and the other one's a communist it's like they're all kind of drinking the same potion that they have to work for yellow claw together so their political ideologies don't really mean anything it's just it's one group of baddies you know it's it's very much a you know like a, a legion of doom versus the super friends scenario and and it doesn't you know like j- j- you know i guess to, to put it in vernacular that everybody be familiar with you know just because magneto and red skull are on the bad guy side you know you know it's like it they're 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 just gonna have to work together because they're drinking the same crazy kool-aid that yellow claw gave them you know what i mean like that's that's what they have to put up with i mean the the, the only thing about this though is i'm so not used to like i i admit like the first volume of what if is a pretty big blind spot for me it's not something that i read a lot of so I, i'm sure if you guys bring more of these you know a lot of them will probably be new to me the the one thing that i'm not super familiar with which is like I don't know, like, who decided this or whatever, but for some reason, The Watcher feels decidedly goofball to me. I'm I'm sure Jack Kirby probably drew him similar in certain issues of the Fantastic Four, but I guess I'm just used to the, you know, the big-headed, but, you know, slender type of body with the toga and all that kind of stuff. And I don't know, like, in this, I'm just kind of looking at the images of him, and he looks so... I don't know. <laughs> just he looks so goofy. Like I don't know. You know what's weird? Like without the like when he has the big head and you know the white eyes and like you know he's kind of stout. Like like he you can think like oh well he's an alien. But when he when he just has kind of humanish proportions and he's just a bald guy, he looks kind of like a giant baby. Like which is weird. <laughs> or like you know what you know, you know what you, you know what he looks like in this. The, who's the guy from Plan Nine from Outer Space? Like, isn't it King Kong Bundy or somebody? Like, I, I don't know. He just he just looks like that guy. Because I'm like, uh, I don't know. It just, he, he you know, it's it's not that, like, like Mike's saying, it's not that off proportion thing where you're like, oh, he's an alien. It's like, I don't, I, 
he, he looks goofy, but he just, he, you know, like you're saying, he looks like a baby wearing a, you know, cosplay suit or something. You know what I mean? Like some, something like that, which, which kind of cracks me up. I also like the, uh, Jan of the jungle and, uh, Namora cameos. Yeah. In this. Those. Well, I, I had read this before cause I, I've read all of what if for the most part. And like when I first read it, like I didn't really appreciate this issue because I, I don't think I had read Agents of Atlas yet. And like after I read Agents of Atlas, I kind of went back to it and I was like, oh, yeah, they did do this. And like like, like you said, Derek, I was kind of like, oh, man, they took all like, you know, all these ideas in the early 2000s, they took from what ifs like yeah. that's that seems to be a common trope. Like there's a, I know there's a there's a friggin uh, what if like what was it a what if wolverine killed the hulk i think and in that like he he kills the hulk and then magneto recruits him to infiltrate the x-men and i was like motherfucker mark miller mark millar stole that for ultimate x-men like like you know but yeah, this, you know, I don't I don't know so much of like I, I like Jeff Parker's writing, so I don't think like, you know, he's stealing anything, no, but no, maybe no, no, he's no, kind but, of but, but, rec- but, reclaiming yeah. stuff. But they, they're definitely yeah. like this and even even, you know, Busick making reference to it in Avengers Forever. I mean, they're, they're it's funny how something like this started as a, you know, this is an alternate universe and, you know, Tony's gathering the Avengers around to see you know, how this went down in an alternate universe and that it's not part of the, you know, quote unquote 616, you know, or whatever. But it, it's funny how, like, they just do a couple little changes to make it fit and then also bring it into the modern, you know, like like that. It's like, okay, we stuck, you know, Jimmy was like 5 billion years old, but we stuck him in a little, you know, uh, Marvel Boy bath, and now he's young again. Let's let's go to town, you know. Like let's let's have fun, you know, and, and go have adventures and stuff like that. The other thing, you know, it kind of made me sad about is, and I know, you know, I I, I don't know if it's gonna be Steel Job, but somebody's gonna be throwing tomatoes at this. But like, it kind of makes me sad that like Jimmy Woo's a fucking nincompoop in the fucking movies and stuff. Like, yeah. I, I I wish I okay. wish Jimmy Woo was like this or like like in in you know, Agents of Atlas or whatever, he's such a, a cool character. And, like, I enjoyed reading, you know, the Jeff Parker series. I, I, you know, as you know, even though I'm making fun of some of the goofy, you know, looks of the Watcher in this, for the most part, like, this is this is a fun, entertaining, you know, kind of romp or whatever. Like, it, 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 it touches a little bit on the history, you know. They, they have the current, you know, president and all that kind of stuff, you know. But for the most part, I mean, it's just kind of like a fun you know, good versus evil type thing. And, and you know, I, I suppose now people would, you know, get grumpy about the yellow claw, but I guess it's okay because Jeff Parker had a dragon eat him and he wasn't really, like, I guess, you know, as nefarious as it seems in this or wh- whatever the, the retcon is, you know? So, I don't know. Like, I, I, I'm just kind of like, you know, that's, that's one of those things where I'm like, I, I wish that Jimmy Woo was... Like not just comic relief in in the films. He even he even has like a Talia Al Ghul thing going on yeah. with Yellow Claw's niece. Yeah, yeah. It's like he he's supposed to be Batman love god for you know secret agents or something, but instead he's like uh, I don't know Paul Blair Mall Cop or something for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And you're like, oh man, that's too <laughs> bad, right? Like, 
He did not. He did not try to defeat Yellow Claw with card magic in this. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta say though, the official battle cry, as voted on by the fifties Avengers, is kind of lame. Go Avengers, go! I mean, can't you hear it? Like you know, it's it's it'll be just like uh, you know, Titans go, but they'll be like, go Avengers, go! <laughs> go web go see it's, it's totally different from the titans cry and it's totally different from like the power rangers theme song because they say go avengers go not go go avengers maybe if you sing it to the tune of go ninja go ninja go like go avengers go avengers go <laughs> that must be <laughs> i made funny then i got eaten by dragon <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! Mm. I do, I do appreciate the Agents of Atlas. Like I liked that series. Like I liked when they fought the Thunderbolts, and I think it was like mm-hmm. the latter. No, I think it, I was going to say Andy Diggle's run, but no, it must have been when Jeff Parker took over because he. I mean, they're his babies, kind of. So yeah, yeah. All I remember was like that. That was when Nuke was part of the was the leader of the team, and like Venus used her power on Nuke, and all he saw were like vietnamese prostitutes like yay but yeah i mean like i said i didn't i probably when i read like i probably sped read this one when i first read it because i was kind of like i don't know any of these characters like what 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 is all this crap like and you know it's probably you know after i had read agents of atlas which was probably a long time after it actually uh was released because I, I think it was like after I read Jeff Parker's Thunderbolts run, because I was like, oh, what else has Jeff Parker written? And I was like, oh yeah, Agents of Atlas. Like I never did read that, and but uh, now now I have a new appreciation for this issue. So I'm I'm glad you had us read it or re I re- reread it, Justin. Yeah, this has always been one of my favorites from Volume. Yeah, and I'm 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 gonna say it right now for all the 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 Hasbro goofballs that are listening to this no no dr juggernaut but i i i i'll be happy with a m m11 build a figure and marvel boy and venus and namora the gorilla and all those guys you could just get an optimus primal figure for a gorilla man I'm, 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 yeah, my, my Monsieur Mala is busy fighting the, the Doom Patrol. Like, he's occupied. I need, I need another gorilla figure with, with, uh, bandoliers and stuff. And it's like, <laughs> I know, no, no, this is not the case, but it's like Stan Lee saw all the super intelligent gorillas, like, in DC, and he was like, I'll make my own super intelligent gorilla, Gorilla Man! <laughs> <laughs> I created them all. Hey everybody, I'm Paul Spataro. I don't know if you know me, but I'm a regular on Back to the Bins along with my friends Dr. Bill Robinson. Hello. And Mr. Scott Gardner. Hey, how's it going? Andy's been asking us for a promo for the show for the longest time, and Bill has been writing it for the longest time. Bill, you got that promo written yet? Uh... Okay, so, anyway... What we do is we review three comic books. We try to do it every week. Usually it's a Marvel, a DC, and a Captain Canuck book for Scott. So, tune in every week to Back to the Bins to listen to our show. You can find us at twotruefreaks.com. Well, 
I guess we'll we'll move on from the the world of what if volume one. I'll go into the issue I brought tonight again. I like I said, I am hopelessly stuck in volume two because that's that's where all my my spinner rack what if comics came from. I actually brought the first issue of What If from Volume 2. It has a cover date of July 1989. The on-sale date was March 21st, 1989. The cover price was a whopping $1.25. The story, kind of a sequel to a, a podcast we've done before, because I talked about the conclusion of the Evolutionary War in one of our Avengers shows. The title is, What If the Avengers Had Lost the Evolutionary War? The writer, again, Roy Thomas, penciler Ron Wilson, inker Mike Gustavich, letterer Michael Heisler, colorist Tom Vincent, and Keith Pollard has cover credits. In this story, the High Evolutionary's genetic bomb explodes and both normal humans and mutants are altered. The mutants' powers grow immensely while the normal humans develop bigger heads with advanced minds. Those who were altered artificially become changed in various ways. Spider-Man, for example, grows six arms. These evolved humans make peace with the mutants and one another across the globe. The mutants and mutates, now called quote-unquote godlike ones by the evolved humans, elect Wolverine as their leader and determine that they cannot live alongside humanity anymore. The godlike ones immediately leave for space within a shimmering aura. Thor, unchanged by the genetic bomb, returns to Asgard. While the godlike ones travel around the galaxy, the Inhumans and the Unimind join them. The Shi'ar, the Kree, and the Skrull create vast armadas to stop them, but are swiftly destroyed. Meanwhile, back on Earth, decades have passed and some heroes have already passed away. The long-lost hero Daredevil returns after being in hibernation during those decades and is welcomed by the evolved humans and the Vision. In space, the godlike ones destroy Galactus. Back on Earth, humans continue to evolve and are using their powers to regenerate the Earth. After Daredevil finally passes away, the Vision is the last of the remaining heroes on Earth. Without any human connection to the planet, the Vision implodes himself in a solar flare. In space, the godlike ones absorb the cosmic entity's death in eternity. The Celestials then come to Earth and judge it unworthy, but the evolved humans join their minds together and disintegrate the Celestial called Arishim, forcing the Celestials to leave. Following the battle with the Celestials, the minds of evolved humanity become one with the Earth itself. Meanwhile, the godlike ones create a tear in reality and access another blank universe. They create a Big Bang that gives birth to that new universe. Death and eternity separate, and the essences of the former heroes now are part of one or the other cosmic entity. However, the departure of those entities affects the original universe they left, which implodes on itself. Earth, now a living, self-contained planet protected by the united minds of mankind, survives, awaiting for the rebirth of the universe. And the High Evolutionary is sitting there looking like a stupid duty head. The end. And and that is the the uh, first, I guess, what if I've ever read, I think. Because this, this would have been, I think, the first what if I had ever read. I was, I was super curious about this because I was pretty invested in my early spinner rack career a lot a lot of annuals you know from that summer event that came from the evolutionary war i consider spinner rack issues you know the punisher the silver surfer the avengers you know so there there were a lot of issues x factor that i all got off the 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 spinner rack so 
I was certainly curious, you know, how this was going to pan out. I don't know. I mean, this is this is a very dense story and deals with like pretty much everyone in the Marvel universe at the time. It's interesting because it's kind of a for for a brief couple pages, it's a snapshot of a a, a very specific, you know, distinct era of Marvel comics, but then it quickly just kind of I don't know, it goes off the fucking rails really fast. You know, it's just like, you know, I, I remember showing this to some friends and they yucked it up too because they're like, what, Wolverine is leading all these guys? Like, what? You know, and stuff like that. And and just, you know, I don't know, the, the fact that everybody gets kind of these, the, everybody looks like they're, you know, in an episode of SNL and they're all coneheads and stuff like that, or they all look like the guys from, you know, To Serve Man, the Twilight Zone episode or whatever. You know, they have all have these kind of huge brains and all that stuff. So, I mean, there, there's kind of goofy stuff like that. I mean, like, the, I think the goofiest is when, like, Doctor Doom stops X-Factor and then he pulls off his mask and he's, of course, a goofy, big-headed guy, too. And he's like, we love you guys. <laughs> I'm just like, what the hell? But, you know, I don't know. I, I guess it's an exploration of, like, if this happened, like, what, you know, what other 20 dominoes would fall over, you know? And so they, I don't know, it kind of takes that to the nth degree, you know? Like, they're, they're, they're fighting Galactus and Death and the Celestials and Eternity and, you know, it's like, what would happen if the High Evolutionary won the Evolutionary War? It sounds like it would lead to, like, the destruction of the universe and High Evolutionary would be sitting there, like, stewing on a little asteroid at the end. But, you know, I, I don't know. What, had you guys, I, I assume you both had read this before because I know you're really familiar with, with What If. Like, what was your kind of take on it? I always thought this was a really, really, really wacky doodle issue. I... I mean, it's not bad at all, but like you said, it just kind of like goes off the rails at a certain point. Like it stops. I don't know. It's like it stops being a continuation. Well, not really continuation, but like it stops being a high evolutionary war fallout and kind of like just completely like takes a sharp left turn and and does its own thing. And the thing that makes it weird for me is like everybody running around with their big heads. You know, it's like Doctor Doom and Hawkeye and. All these guys is just, and it's so weird. Like, you know me. Like, I I don't like comics where people turn into things. Like, everyone's an ape or everyone's an Hulk. I don't really care for that kind of stuff. So there's a little bit of that in this. That's a slight turnoff. But like, once they start going out into the cosmos and they're like, like you said, they're taking on Galactus and Death and Eternity and the Celestials and everybody. Like, I think all that stuff's great. Like, it's just some of the stuff in between is odd and like the big head people like that's just that's super bizarre to me I'm, I'm i'm sorry like that's just that's like goofy's that's like a goofy like 60s tv show like you know outer limits you know to serve a man thing it's like it's like this is from you know what late 80s or something like you think they could have came up with a better design to show that these guys were altered than like a big giant friggin conehead type guys but i don't know like i said it's this is a really weird issue and it's the number one issue so I, I don't know i remember i remember because this is number one it took me a while to track down you know to track down my own issue and because it was number one you know i probably paid you know a bit more than the other issues but i don't know it just 
I I like this issue, but it's just so bizarre. And I think I, I think I appreciate it for its bizarreness, but just the the big head guys. I don't know. I kind of chuckle at that. I I feel like this might be the origin of me. Like this might be the first comic I was butthurt over something with. Like mm. where I'm like, wait. Because, you know, the, the Wolverine's leading yeah. this entourage of guys, and they, they kill Nova to get to Galactus, and then Silver Surfer gets all mad, and then they take his wallet, yeah. too. And it's like, that's 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 always going to be my... You know, and of course, I, I suppose in the grand scheme of things, because they go on to take out Galactus and Eternity and Death and all this other stuff, like, I suppose, you know, the Silver Surfer is small beans compared to the other cosmic entities, the you know, the Celestials and all this other stuff. But I think at the time, like, th 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 that was a character that I had imprinted on fairly early on and was like, wait, what the... F you know, like, <laughs> what? Like, are you kidding me? Like, these guys, like, took out the silver fucking... Sir like, what? You know, like, and so, like, there's that aspect of it that's crazy. And I, I, I kind of think... I, I feel like you kind of hit the nail on the head with this, Justin, but I, I guess the way I interpret what you're saying about the story, the way it's wacky doodle, you, you know, my take on it almost is like, it, it starts out as a continuation of, you know, or, or a divergence from the, the end of the evolutionary war mm -hmm. for the first couple pages. But once people start getting the the fallout of that like once people start getting modified and once that process is kind of finished after the first i don't know 10 or so pages i almost feel like it becomes like an a historical chronicle and there's no mm -hmm. you're not following any like yeah i mean I suppose because they wanted to sell books, they they prominently feature Wolverine, but but it's it's very much like it just bounces from you know scene to scene, from character to character. Like you know you you don't really. I mean, if there's any character that you should be following this whole time, like you, it should probably be the High Evolutionary. You know what I mean? Like it should it should be like oh look at you know Punisher with a big butt head on his face. Like isn't that <laughs> lovely? Or you know like something that like they only refer back to him a few times, and I feel like you know. Th th this isn't anyone's story, really. You know what I mean? Like, it just kind of bounces around and chronicles, you know, oh, you know, this domino dropped, and then it hit this domino, and then this domino caused all these other dominoes to fall over, and then it became, you know, this uh, uh, Rube Goldberg thing where, you know, the Kree, the Shi'ar, and the, you know, or the Galactus and the, you know, like, it just, it turns into this whole thing, and all of a sudden, like, you know, basketballs are dropping out of the sky, and you know, people are running around on unicycles with flamethrowers, or, you know, you know, it's just like, oh, okay, it just spins into this whole thing, and there's no real, you know, I mean, I, I suppose, you know, they, they try to come back to the high evolutionary every once in a while, but, you know, it, it, it is kind of, kind of an odd little duck or whatever. You know, my thoughts on this issue, like, I... Like, I have read this before, obviously, and, like, I, I think I've read it multiple times, and, like, I, I you know, I always kind of yucked it up. And, like, reading it this time, I think my take on it is that the writer had some high-minded, like, science fiction Twilight Zone story to tell, and he just happened to plug Marvel characters into it, uh, like, mm, kind of, mm. like, where, you, yeah, like, you know, a, a bunch of humans evolve 
And then, you know, they go, they evolve to the point where they can, you know, leave the solar system, then the universe, then the galaxy, then, like, the realm of existence, and, like, literally face off against gods and stuff. And, I mean, I don't know, it's some kind of high-minded concept that just, I mean, obviously he made it work with all the Marvel characters, but, I mean, you could do this in an episode of The Twilight Zone, too, and, like, just swap out a bunch of, you know... You know, create some new characters to you know focus on, and I don't know. It maybe, seems <laughs> it seems maybe, like oh, good. I was just gonna say maybe Roy Thomas was trying to like land a writing gig for like the eighties Twilight Zone or something. Yeah, like I don't know. Yeah, it just seems like something that would be in a a short science fiction novel or like a, a short story by like Harlan Ellison or something or mm. yeah, something like that, but. I, I don't know. Yeah, like, I, I I mean, it always was weird to me that this was the first issue, yeah, like yeah. you said, of What If. Like, this is a weird way to get started. Like, very a very impersonal issue, I guess. It's, I guess, maybe because it's it's coming off the heels of that event, so they probably thought the, the question was a good idea. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, you, you, you just spent the summer presumably reading this, this you know annual crossover event and then the first issue out of the gate is going to be like hey what happens if they lost it oh and of course that worked on me i i was following you know i mean this is this is a spinner rack book i i bought it based on the cover off off the spinner rack and 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 part of it was that you know i guess brand recognition of like oh hey this is a marvel comic and they they were just you know, you had just bought so many issues, you know, so many annuals that were related to this evolutionary war thing. And now they're going to show you, like, what happened if they lost that battle? And I went, oh, crap. Okay. So that worked on me. You know, I, I and, and I've made no secret, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm a pretty big fan of the high evolutionary, right? Like, I, I enjoy his his design and and you know I, I i appreciate the character i probably have more appreciation for him than most so i mean the cover worked on me i thought it was a super cool cover like you know the way it's the prominently featuring the high evolutionary and then all these other characters who were part of the the event you know especially that you know i mean I, I, for me like like it, again i i seem to favor configurations of teams that are ever so brief and uh, aside from the original incarnation of the avengers which i'd say is my favorite you know th this odd goofy configuration of the avengers these reservists that team up with the captain that are all on the the left side of the cover i mean i would i would say that's probably like my second favorite configuration of the avengers as goofball as that is and so like all that stuff kind of worked on me where i'm like oh boy like this is this is super cool but you know as you guys are saying the 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 actual story you know seems like it could be inserted or or plucked from you know, some some other kind of, you know, an Outer Limits, a Twilight Zone, a, you know, some, some kind of, you know, you know, science fiction concept that doesn't necessarily need to be associated with the Marvel characters. And, and maybe because of that, it's it's high minded concept, but there's no to, to me, at least like the, the, the connections to, quote unquote, you know, the human characters is so brief or they're so constantly evolved that they become 
unrecognizable as that character, you know? So, I mean, the, the, the only person who stays true to himself, I guess, ironically, because, you know, these days, you know, Thor's uh, either, what, Jane Foster, or he's got his eye poked out, or he's an old man, or he's got his arm lopped off, or, you know, whatever's going on with Thor, right? But in this, like, at least Thor's the one constant, right? Like, Thor's a god, so he can't be affected by the the fallout and everything. And I, I, I almost feel like, ironically, like Thor's the character that I can recognize the most in all of this, where he's like, boy, high evolutionary, like, you know, Zounds, you really fucked shit up, you know? And it's like, okay, I'm going back to Asgard. I'm going back to my home planet, you know, like, like Odin's donuts, you know, like, like this is no place for me, you know? And it's like, I, I just, I mean, he's the one that, that mainly feels recognizable. I suppose the only other one is, and th th this for me, I guess, was a trope. And, like, I, I, I guess I should talk about it now. But the, the fact that, like, Daredevil, like, like kind of, like, he was affected by it. But he didn't, he didn't join the, the bobble-headed humans. And he didn't join the evolved, you know, mutants, mutates, or whatever, and go off into space. It was just, like, there was so much like i guess you know noise pollution after that happened he he went off you know to to be on his own and even though it doesn't really show this like for some reason like and maybe this happened in other what ifs and i just conflated all the time but i always think of it as like you know the happy ending for like a a sad solitary hero is to go off and, and live in a log cabin somewhere and just be happy. And it was kind of like, I think Daredevil got to do that for like a little while in this, or at least that's, that's in my head canon. You know, he went off and just went to like some private, you know, wilderness where there were no, you know, crazy, like evolutionary city sounds. And was just like, I'm going to hang out with rabbits and birds and just live in the forest and chop wood and just, you know that that's it, right? And then and then of course he comes back. So I mean, I, I I will say of of the characters that have very brief moments, like I think Thor and Daredevil were the ones that I I connected to the most. But like like you guys are saying, it's such a high concept thing that it it really does. It's so high concept that it it sort of becomes removed from any humanity whatsoever. See, Derek, I'm I'm the opposite of you when it comes to the high evolutionary. Like I, like he's if to me he's like a groaner villain. Like like every time I see him pop up in a story, I'm like, oh, like another high evolutionary story. Like him. Like I guess it's because when I the most of the times I was exposed to him as a child, it was always in like the Clone Saga where they like br bring him into like. Mm you know, disprove or prove the Jackal's cloning yeah. things. And like, it was always a groaner story he was in. So like, I, that's how I was introduced to him. And unfortunately, like, that's how like he remains in my head. I mean, if he, if he's, if he's proving or disproving the clone saga, he, he must have a uh, high credibility issues with you regardless. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> yep. But, no, but uh, yeah, I, I get what you mean. Like, maybe it should have focused more on him, like, you know, because he was the catalyst of that event. Yeah, so, I mean, or, or something, like, some somehow, yeah. Derek, it, if they make a Marvel Legends of the Captain, would you want him to come with an extra, like, giant head? Uh, no. <laughs> you, you know, it's funny, I, I, feel like, I feel like I have a U.S. agent, so I'm not, I'm not like, it's not like one of those things where I was like, oh, I wish that, that 80th Thor came with, like, a bearded Thor or a... 
a Thunderstrike head or whatever. But like this, I'm not like, it's not like I'm sitting there jonesing for like, where's my Punisher swap out like bobble brain head? You know, like <laughs> I really need it. You know, like it's like, no, I'm, I'm cool. I don't, yeah. I, you, you know what I might pay for? I might pay for a crying doom like bobble head, like where <laughs> you can swap out his head and he can just be like, like, Godlike ones, please, please go inside. You know, like. But other than that, I I, I don't have any sentimentality for these uh, for these bobble-headed guys. And I I love how there's no justification why Wolverine has to be the leader of everyone. Like they're just like it's just a feeling we have. Like you're the bestest. Like okay. Yeah. Like in this new crazy world with with Fanora out the wazoo. You clearly have the most fan aura of all of us, so we will put you at the head to lead us to higher sales and greatness. You know, like, that's basically what it is, you know? Yeah. I'm kind of surprised, though, because then you'd think, like, Punisher Bobblehead should have come with them into outer space, too. They, they could have been co-chairman of the fucking interstellar fucking fan aura popularity blob or whatever, you know? <laughs> But yeah, I don't, you know, I don't know. This, I mean, like, I, I, I'm making fun of it because I, I have some uh, sentimentality for it, you know, and nostalgia for it. But yeah, I, I can recognize it's not exactly a, a, a you know, a, a wowzer of a story or whatever. Jeff and Merck present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, where we journey through each issue of the most underrated Marvel series of the 80s while drinking beer, analyzing awesome and amazing adolescent adventures, and absorbing alcohol. We got kids with powers, we got villains with attitude. We got superhero guests, like all of them from the Marvel Universe. We have thematically appropriate beer reviews. We have good jokes and bad song parodies. One stop for all your Power Pack pod-pleasing procurements. And we got alliteration. Find Unpacking the Power of Power Pack wherever fine podcasts are played. Costumes on. So how about you, Mike? You you brought a issue from Volume 2 as well. Do you want to tell everybody what issue that is and, and give us a little background on it? I brought What If Volume 2, number 23, titled What If the All-New, All-Different X-Men Had Never Existed. And it's written by Kurt Busick, penciled by Rodney Ramos, inked by Doug Hazelwood, colors by Tom Vincent, letterer Janice Chang, and editor Craig Anderson. And uh, basically, I didn't even write a summary for it, because basically, it's basically if the original X-Men weren't uh, defeated by Krakoa, and they managed to handle that situation on their own. And, like, there was no need to form, you know, the the all-new, all-different X-Men. And I guess no need for to form that in-between team with Vulcan and all those guys. Yeah, retcons. No, but... Uh, <laughs> Where's my Darwin? <laughs> yeah, right? But, uh, no, basically, I mean, they go through all, you know, the the contemporary like history of the x-men like uh, up till like a certain point but you know it's just the all new i mean the original team handles it like like they handle everything basically and they usually handle it better than like you know the only all different team handled it like you know they they fight they they meet the shiar like they they night like and they also encounter like a lot of the all new all different x-men like it as in different kind of roles because yeah, you know the team was contexts. never formed like yeah. so like yeah thunderbird and nightcrawler are like eric the red's goons like that he like tricked into helping him 
And then, uh, like, you know, they go to Africa, like, they meet Storm, they go to Japan, they meet Sunfire, they go, and they team up with Alpha Flight, and Wolverine is, like, the leader of Alpha Flight now, so they meet with, up with him, you know, and they they take on the Hellfire Club, I mean, they take on Mesmero, like, everyone, like, the all-new, all-different team. Yeah, they, they, they meet Kitty they, Pride and all that stuff. Yeah, they meet Kitty Pride. they fight Archon, you know, all those guys. And they, they encounter the Phoenix Force, like, or Jean Grey never becomes the Phoenix because in a, in a pretty funny scene where, they, you know, they're, they're headed, like, you know, there's they reach that moment where someone has to pilot the shuttle and Jean's going to, like, sacrifice herself. And Scott's like, no, you're not. I'm going to sacrifice myself. And they're arguing. And finally, like, Lorna Dane, Polaris, like, says, both of you shut up. Like, and neither of you need to sacrifice yourself. Like, I have magnetic powers. I can just bring down the shuttle myself. And they're like, oh, 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 okay. Like, you know, and then that's that, basically. Eventually, you know, they, they knit the M, the shattered Emkron crystal back together. And eventually, like, the Phoenix does surface. And uh, the Shi'ar, like, are going to blow up the sun to, like, contain it. But uh, Cyclops, like, volunteers to sacrifice himself to bond to the Phoenix and, like, bind it. But uh, eventually a Nightcrawler takes his place and sacrifices himself. And that's pretty much where the story ends. But, but yeah, like, I, I had... Um, I, this was... This may... I, I don't know if it's the first What If I ever read, but it's definitely one of the first. And, like, it, it was in a batch of comics I got from my older cousin. And, like, I, I know it was one of the first because I was kind of unfamiliar with the concept of what if when I read it. And I was like, like, I, I think I had read, like, giant-sized X-Men number one by this point. So I knew the story where it was taking off from. But, like, I hadn't read a lot of Claremont's mm. run. So I didn't, like, I didn't exactly know like what the differences were from like in history like uh, who they fought and like you know I, I just assumed it was like you know a bunch of adventures they went did on. that did that play but, to you still like were you still interested in the story then as a yeah kid? like I, I was still like yeah you, you know me like i mean cyclops is is my guy and like you know he's still you know he I, like i said i feel like the original team handles all those like problems a lot more cleanly than like the uh the all new all different team did and it probably because uh, and it, like kurt busick makes sure to mention this like several times in his text that you know they're they're they've been a team for a long time like they've got combat experience and they they do all gel well as a team and you know they they just handle shit like much easier and you know with the all new all different x-men it was always like you know wolverine going off on his own like no one no one would follow cyclops's orders like you know they were all kind of rookies like so like you know it made for a tougher time but yeah th this time around it seems like you know things might have been gone for the for the better if they had stayed together and if they never needed that new team i think this is one of those stories that's advantageous because of i guess when it takes place in context to when it was published, you know, because, because, you know, like, like, for example, like my story, you know, like it, 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 it's just the immediate aftermath of some existing story. So it's not like, it's not like you have a bunch of historical points to compare the aftermath to along the way. It's not like there was some moment where, you know, Thor went back to Asgard and got donuts or whatever, and you're like, wait a minute, like, this totally changed Thor getting his donuts, you know, or what, you know what I mean? Like, like, whereas, 
like this, this very specifically hits, like you said, I mean, if, if you've read the Claremont run, right, like th this hits a bunch of, you know, famous stories from all of those, you know, not just Dark Phoenix, right, but like, you know, the, the entire run from, you know, from all the way back from the Cockrum, you know, like it, the, one of the immediate impacts is like, you know, the nineties where they're fighting Eric, the red, the, the, you know, like you described pretty expertly, you know, the whole fact that Polaris was there, you know, around issue one one So she never goes into the river and becomes the Phoenix and that whole thing, you know? So it's like, there's, there's all that kind of stuff where, you know, and, and yes, like a lot of times there, there's not a major difference with this team in play or, or sometimes it might even be that the, the outcome was actually a hell of a lot better than, than if the new team had been there, you know, but I mean, I, I had fun reading this. I mean, and, and I, I, I feel like, you know, of course, if you're, if you're heavily invested or you're, you, you, you recognize all those historical points you know, that's something that, you know, you end up appreciating in this issue because it doesn't, I mean, it, it, it's not really holding your hand with it either. You know, it's not like, it's not like every five, uh, you know, panels, there's a little asterisk that says, like, remember when this happened in, uh, you know, X-Men 101? Like, remember when this happened in X-Men, you know, 129 when Kitty Pride was there? Like, remember when this happened in, you know... Or remember, you know, this would have happened in X-Men 112 and 113, but Magneto's still a baby and he's still like on, the, you know, Muir Island or whatever. You know, like that. those kind of references, it's like there's not too many of those either. So you, it just kind of expects you to kind of, you know, hey, come along for the ride. And if you're if you're super familiar with the history, like you, you appreciate it all the more. Yeah, and since, since it's Busick, I mean, like all the continuity is like right on point. Like, and, you know, everything and, you know, he makes effort to he makes an effort, like I said, to like, you know, point out like certain things like where it's like, you know, maybe, you know, maybe a, a rookie X-Men team wouldn't be able to handle this. But these are the OG guys like so they got this shit like, you know, I think it's funny, too, that uh, poor Thunderbird, like, you know, he gets to he, he probably lives but and he gets to be Eric the Red's, Red's goon. But it's like. As soon as the fight starts, it's like he gets frozen by Iceman, and that was it. Like poor, poor Thunderbird, like got his ass kicked right off the bat. Justin, had you ever read this one? I had, yes. This was one of the later issues that I added to my collection, and by the time I added it to my collection, I think I had read the majority of X Men issues referenced here and kind of like Derek said once you have that knowledge I think you appreciate it more because I you know this is what probably one of my favorite issues and the uh, to me this is like a true alternate history it's like to me like like if you're reading like an alternate history novel like you say okay what if this one thing had changed how would that affect the rest of history like something that's interested me would be like okay what if Nixon had won the 1960 election instead of Kennedy? So you'd have to look at like everything that happened in our reality, and you'd have to go, okay, well, how would you know Nixon's going to make his own decisions? They're going to be probably vastly different. So that's going to start a chain reaction of events, right? So you have to kind of like take them one by one and go, okay, well, how is he going to deal with the Cuban Missile Crisis? 
would it happen earlier because it's Nixon and he might be more aggressive? Would it happen later? Like, would it would it lead to a nuclear war? You have to kind of like play out all these scenarios in your head and do a ton of research. And I, I, that like that to me like that's here because you've got the, the history of what actually happens in six one six universe with the X Men. Like we have those issues, we can reference them. So you go, okay, well, what if you change this one thing? And the all new, all different X Men never formed. So you kind of have to go, okay, well, you've got this, you've got the OG team. And so they're going to face probably most of the issues and they're going to have most of the adventures that the all new team have. Then, you know, maybe some of those will have different outcomes. And like Derek said, uh, maybe they'll have better outcomes because Gene doesn't become the Phoenix. You know, I mean, it makes way more sense for Polaris to hold the shuttle together because of her powers. It's like, know she can do that much better than gene and no one becomes phoenix and until the very end where nightcrawler sacrifices himself so like i've always appreciated these aspects of this book if i could change one thing like my own what if within this what if like if i could change one thing it would be wolverine sacrificing himself because (laughs) but that's just that's just me like I mean, I've always been a big, you know, Nightcrawler fan. So I remember reading this the first time. I was like, "Oh man, you mean he's just some flunky? Like, come on, let's BS." But then, like at the end, you know, you're just like, "Oh wow, like Nightcrawler is gonna." You're like, "Is he gonna become the Phoenix?" And you're like, "Oh no, he's just gonna like go out in a place of glory to to save everyone." You're just like, "Oh," but you're like, "Oh, dude, like, it's, you know, Nightcrawler is great." So you know. There's that, but yeah, like I, I like just about everything about this. I, I like the artwork too. They're like, I was just gonna say, like you know, after Nightcrawler sacrificed himself, they're like, I wonder what happened to Thunderbird, and then it cuts <laughs> to like the airport, and he's still in the block of ice. Like, hello, uh, hello, <laughs> like anyone gonna let me out? Like, it's it's chilly yeah. in here. Yeah, I I still think the uh, you know I I think you'll find in this especially this uh, volume of what if that the Wolverine fan aura is is constant and always because I'm kind of like even yep. that I'm kind of like come on man like like shouldn't Vindicator still be you know shouldn't Guardian still be leading that team or what you know what I mean like I was like it's not like it's not like because he wasn't I mean just because he never left apartment H or whatever and cut that guy's tie off it's not like I don't know I I find it hard to believe that they would have made him leader of Alpha Flight like he just would have been you know another you know soldier attack dog and and the guy that's wearing the Canadian fucking flag would still lead the fucking team (laughs) called Alpha Flight like I kind of find that far-fetched but you know whatever some of the stuff that like I've always wondered like spinning out of this like if you go further like if you're in the timeline of this issue and you go further into X-Men it's like you kind of ask yourself like would the whole Inferno crossover happen because they're you know it's like Cyclops wouldn't you know there wouldn't be no Madeline right and there wouldn't be like any of that nonsense you know like if you if you go down that rabbit hole so that's one of the things I've always wondered I I, I suppose that would that would drastically change what happens to, well, I don't know. I like presuming that this, this version of this universe is similar to the, the limbo and Velasco stuff that happened to our Ileana. Like, like even if Ileana got abducted, like 
maybe it wouldn't involve Nightcrawler. You know what I mean? Like, and then that that totally has that ripple effect where it's like, well, she doesn't kill Nightcrawler. You know what I mean? Like, like all that other stuff. So you're just like, okay, so maybe none of that. You, you, like, you could play it in the same way as Dark Phoenix, where it's like, oh, Ileana never becomes you know, uh, uh, you know, ruler of limbo or whatever, or never, never gets abducted or, you know, never loses her childhood or something like that. Or, you know, of course there's no reason for, for her to even be in the same X mansion. You know what I mean? Cause Colossus isn't yeah. there, you know, like there's all kinds of like dominoes that, that change all that, you know, like, I guess what I'm trying to find is the, the, the good old, what if de facto of like, well, it's like, it, what, what do those new X-Men do that is so crucial to the world surviving? Like, like, cause like maybe if they're not, you know, it's like that thing of like, what if storm wasn't around to tie professor X's shoes and then it like causes the world to end or, you know what I mean? <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not immediately thinking of anything like that, but I'm sure like if this is one of those depressing, what ifs, it'd be like, Oh, you know, because, you know, because, uh, you know, you know, Banshee and Moira weren't helped, you know, like Juggernaut and Black Tom, like killed them or something, or, mm. you know what I mean? Like, like some, 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 you know, nasty fallout is usually where most of these stories ended up going like that. I guess that's, you, you can see that's evidenced by, you know, uh, Nightcrawler getting sacrificed. Right. But I mean, in the grand scheme of what ifs and what normally all the horrible stuff that normally happens to Spider-Man, I'd say everybody got off pretty easy in this issue. But, yeah. you know, that's me. So, uh, like, this is probably another formative issue and, like, you know, confirming to me that, like, Cyclops was the man because, like, you know, he's front and center here. So, yeah, it's 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 a cool showing for the OG X-Men. And like like you guys both said, like the art's really, really good. You know, like it's it's fun. I don't I don't I mean, you know, so, so I I I. You know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we're we we may be rare among fans because I I feel like you know the OG X Men get the same slack that you know I don't know guys like Rodimus Prime or whoever you know the the the, the casual average fan would be like oh what are you crazy it's all about the all new all different X Men and most people you know either the OG X Men are vanilla they're bland they're boring like you hear all this kind of criticism but I've never really shared that right so like yeah. this is. For for me, this is this is something where I I you know I find enjoyment in it, and the, and the fact that like you don't you know because I, I guess you know realistically because the the original X Men was a reprint book at some point, and because they were probably a a financial failure to a degree, right? That they had to get completely revamped that way, right? Like. There, there is that argument that it's like, well, what's the point of telling more stories with those guys? Like, they didn't make any money type thing. But it's like, every time they come back to that well, whether for me, whether it's, you know, my, my main discovery of them in modern Marvel, which would be in X-Factor. Like, I've always been a big fan of X-Factor with the original the original five X-Men. But, you know, whenever they tried to, to start a series, I was very loyal to it. You know, whether it was, you know, Children of the Atom, the miniseries, whether it was the X-Men Hidden Years with John Byrne, you know, like like any anything like that that heavily featured or like the the, the original first class comics, not just the, the, you know, the way the movie branded them, but the, the original first class comics that focus on, you know, the first class, which is the original five X-Men. So like, you know, th those type of books, I was always very, you know, or even that, 
that 99 cent book, you know, the Professor Xavier and the X-Men, you know, type thing. Like, like all those books I was always very uh, loyal to as far as that goes, because I, I was always, you know, very compelled or I, you know, I don't know. I guess I just I, I like that original five crew. You know what I was this this made me think of and I was curious about because I don't think I'd ever heard anything about it was I looked up I, I wanted to look up like is was Thunderbird resurrected like on Krakoa and like apparently he was because they, they said that he's listed on some like database they show or something but he hasn't like shown up in a story or something yet wasn't he resurrected in the chaos thing too yeah but then he like died or oh, he died they, again they, i guess yeah they went back again after okay. that but but yeah they, i guess they said he, his name is like on a screen or something that says like population and like thund like james oh. proud starred like thunderbird okay. and i'm like i think like i think we've seen warpath on krakoa but like i i haven't seen thunderbird at all yet so i was just curious like See, that's something I would want to explore because, you know, they did some stuff with Sync because, like, he died so early in, you know, Generation X that when he came back, like, he thought, like, the world was different and the people he knew were different. Like, just imagine your Thunderbird coming back and it's been, I mean, I don't know how long it would be in 616, but it would be, you know, 10, 15 years or whatever it is, like... I imagine like that would be a shock to him to see how much the world had changed, to see how much the, you know, his comrades that, you know, maybe he only briefly knew them, but to see how much like they had changed, like, I think that would be something worth exploring, but they've yet to do that. You'd think that would be such a, like, like, like creating a problem child or something, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. like, like he was never, you know, uh, you know, he, he, he was kind of, you know, anti-establishment to mm -hmm. begin with and then and then you imagine like that won't go away when he's instantly resurrected you know what i mean so so you've got somebody there that like you know is is you know counter to you know you know maybe some of the uh, more you know organized structures of that scenario and then and then and then you resurrect them and then it's like or, or like sometimes you'd wonder like do they have a stat like in their in their little x constitution i mean is there a statute of limitations on that shit you know what i mean like like it's like how many you know it's like yeah, do, you do would you... think by this point warpath is older than he is like his uh. little brother is his big brother now like uh. but yeah but I, yeah, I don't like I said, I, I looked it up and like all it says on the on like the Marvel wiki is like, oh, it says Thunderbird was resurrected by the resurrection protocols, but they ha he hasn't officially like shown up yet. So. So did, did everybody like because that, that's not the same pyro, is it, though? Like, isn't is pyro like the real pyro still dead? No, that's that's the real pyro. Oh, it is. Okay. Yeah, I thought it was because uh -huh, he talks I... about yeah he talks about having the legacy virus and all. Okay. Okay. They so did, then I guess what happened guess... just like what happened to that yeah what happened to that other pyro though Justin you remember like before this era like they had that new that uh, new pyro. I don't remember. No. I... Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. See, I, I I had thought that that was the new pyro, but I guess maybe I'm mistaken. Though. No, but like I said, the one that's currently in the comics is, I'm pretty is, sure, is the original. Because, okay. yeah, he, he talks about, like, having the legacy virus and okay. stuff. So. Okay. See, that, that's what I wonder. Like, is there a statute of limitations on that? Do you do you hold off on bringing back, like, 
Pyro and Maverick and Thunderbird because it's just been so long. Or I guess in, in this case, it seems like they didn't. They just brought back, you know, everybody they could, right? Like, so. And I mean, Thunderbird and Warpath had a nice sort of reunion slash denouement in, what was it, like Ex Necrotia or whatever, when he was like resurrected too. Yeah, so, but... <clears throat> Oh, well, I guess, you know, when it, when someone needs a, you know, a story idea, they can pluck him out, I guess, again. I'm glad you brought this, Mike, because I hadn't read this in a very, very long time. Yeah, it's a, like I said, it might it might be my first what if, but like I, my memories are too spotty about that. But yeah, so I guess this was, um, you know, this was fun to revisit a lot of these issues and everything. If you've enjoyed listening to us discuss our favorite what-if comics or our spinner rack what-if comics you can check out more backlog of episodes over on fanholespodcast.blogspot.com if you want to send us some some angry emails if you want to you know throw tomatoes because i said that the wolverine shouldn't be the leader of alpha flight and it should be the guy with the canadian flag you can send us angry emails at fanholespodcast at gmail.com we're on all kinds of social media we're on tumblr twitter instagram and facebook we appreciate all the likes hearts shares and retweets that we receive we are on all kinds of streaming we're on apple podcasts stitcher radio google play spotify and amazon music so until the next time this is big baby watcher signing off (laughs) hey it's mike signing off this is 3d justin signing off has the strength of three podcasters three. Oh man so don't sometimes you... i sometimes i don't understand why that like like has any effect on things where he's like i'm hitting you with a pipe it's lucky i have the strength of three men and i'm just kind of like but you're being hit with a pipe in the head bro like who cares <laughs> ow it hurts three <laughs> times as much <laughs> Didn't they? Didn't uh, eventually Jeff Parker just bring in Triathlon to fill in for the 3D Man and Agents of Athel- A- Atlas? Because uh, I know Triathlon was like the six, like the legacy. Yeah, the successor. Over, yeah. Yeah, 3D. Um, I think maybe. I don't I'm know. getting confused, no. but I remember at one point they they did that thing in Secret Invasion with him, right? Like, yeah. He joined, like, the Skrull kill crew. I don't know. I always thought triathlon was a lame-o, so... Mm-hmm. Triathlon is a lame-o. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, you know, sorry triath- Kurt Busiek. Yeah, I, I'll have you know triathlon's not on that 30th anniversary poster, so <laughs> he goes right in with Luke Cage and Wolverine and all these other morons who don't deserve to be Avengers.
I think I, I always say, like, you know triathlon is lame because there's that one scene in, like, Avengers Initiative where Rage tells him to shut up, and he does. <laughs> <laughs> like, and when Rage is telling you to shut up, like, then you know you're, like, you know, uh, you're, you're nothing. You're nothing. You're basic. You know who's not lame? Yellow Claw's niece. Yeah, Suwon. Suwon's hot. See, and, and, and no way is uh, fucking... WandaVision Jimmy Woo getting with that Suwon. I don't oh, think so. Nope. No way. <laughs> only only the real Jimmy Woo. I you know, it took us like fucking what is it, like ten years to get the real Mandarin? Well in 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 uh, twenty forty five I expect the real Jimmy Woo movie. <laughs> a real a, a real agents of Atlas with a real Jimmy Woo. With the, with the real Jimmy Woo. That other guy's just like, you know, Cousin Jimmy Woo from Nebraska <laughs> who ate too many donuts and his comic relief, you know? Maybe Putt's Jimmy Woo was like a scroll or something. Because they were oh, like... That'd be, that'd be so cool. The scrolls were like, this guy is like too smart. He's onto us. We got to replace him with some chump. We got to make him stupid. We got to replace him with a chump. And then they can they can cast somebody else and he'll be the real Jimmy Woo. Yeah. Greenlight like it, Larry. Justin, greenlight it. Greenlight it, Larry. That explains everything. This is why Jimmy Woo is a putz, because he's a scroll. He's a <laughs> scroll, Larry. <sighs> Fantastic. Does that mean now, like, everybody who I can't stand, like, Elaine, is a scroll? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, that's, that's how you can... Uh... You can write yeah. it, over, Power write it broker, off. Power broker, whoever. They're all scrolls. 